Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. Now, as an HR professional, this year has probably really screwed up your plan on getting your research credits because of the conferences getting canceled and moved to virtual. So if you've not been able to get any of that done this year, we can help. What we've done is we've taken some of our best presentations, we've had them approved for SHRM and HRCI credits, and you can watch them on demand and get those credits that you can't seem to get any other way this year. For more information and to see what we have to offer, check us out at bossbuildersuniversity.com. Our guest today is our strategic partner for coaching, Margie Bush. Now, Margie's been on the show many times before, and more importantly, Margie and I work on several projects together. The thing that I often use Margie for is to do coaching for us. We'll get clients. I don't do any coaching, so I just pick the best in the business. That happens to be her. Now, recently, she got a new certification to use a new tool called the EQI, and I volunteered to be the guinea pig where she could actually talk through some of my results so that you can hear them. More importantly, you can see how important this tool really is and maybe even use it in your organization. Margie's got a great background. You can listen to some of the early episodes to hear about her journey. But right now, let's let her get on with the business of opening up my brain and looking inside and seeing what my issues are. So with no further delay, let's meet our guest, Margie Bush. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. So Margie Bush, welcome back to our show. Thank you, Mac. It's good to be here again. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think about you as a guest on the show because we've done work together. And so it's just sort of like having your business partner sitting down having a chat. But we do want to talk about one of the tools that you've been using a lot recently. Mm -hmm. And it's a tool that I was even, uh, I subjected myself to be a guinea pig for this thing. And I have (laughs) to say, after looking through this big packet of paper here in front of me, um, I really don't understand a whole lot about it except... Let's see, how many pages is this thing? This is, uh, I get 21 pages mm-hmm. of data on just me. I feel very special, I'm very <laughs> privileged. So the tool we're going to talk about, Margie, is the EQI. So what does EQI stand for? EQI stands for Emotional Quotient Inventory. Okay, so what is exactly an emotional quotient? I've heard of emotional intelligence, but I don't even know what a quotient is. Okay. Well, let's also talk about there's, you see the 2.0. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll just, since that's part of the uh, name of the report that you have in front of you, all that means is this is a second iteration of this um, assessment. Don't ask me the, uh, the one before it, it's, it's the name of three different individuals, I believe that developed it. And I cannot pronounce any of those names. Uh, So this is uh, based on just doing a second iteration of that, uh, based on a new model that came along that they discovered in some new research. Okay. So emotional quotient 
It, what does the I stand for? Inventory? Inventory. Yeah. Inventory. Yes. All right. So this has something to do with emotional intelligence, right? Yes. Okay. So for the listeners that don't know what this means, tell us what emotional intelligence speaks to. Okay. So when we're looking, and I'll speak to it from the perspective of this assessment and then the report that you have in front of you. So what this is, is measuring um, a set of emotional and also um, social skills. And what those do is they tell us how we see ourselves and how we might um, express ourselves, uh, how we develop and maintain our relationships with other people, how we cope with challenges that come along. So saying that it's important also right now to say what it doesn't measure and what it doesn't measure is our intelligence or our our vocational uh, capabilities or what we might be interested in. Uh, importantly, uh, this is different than uh, what you and I use with the Myers-Briggs type uh, indicator is this does not um, measure um, uh, our personality. Uh, they, these are two different types of uh, assessments. Okay. Could they be used together or should you just use one or the other? They can. They do complement each other. So that's, that's a great question. So when we're looking at what you have in front of you, that is a behavioral picture of, of how you act, what you say, and what you do. And so when you're thinking about it from that perspective, that's changeable because we have a choice. We can choose how we want to behave and we can choose uh, what we want to say. And when we look at the Myers-Briggs type indicator that uh, gives us uh, what our hardwired personality preferences are, those, because they're hardwired, those cannot be changed. So when you and I do our work with that, uh, we teach our participants that and that we can't change these, but we can learn and get some self-awareness of them and we can learn to manage them, which means we can learn to flex when it's necessary and use what may be um, uncomfortable for us. So when we're looking at this behavioral picture with emotional intelligence, knowing that it can be changed, what how they complement each other is this assessment tells you things that you well, it, it suggests to you, I should say, things that you might want to change. So, you know, it will tell you um, uh, what you might want to work on or suggest what you might want to work on, where if you would combine it with the Myers-Briggs, our preferences might tell us how we would go about it. Okay. So it would be more valuable to do these together then, wouldn't it? Yes. And that's how I'm typically using it now. Okay, good. So let's let's look at. I'm ter- I just turned the page to page two now. So for those of you listening, you have to just sort of visualize this because you can't really see it. Plus, I'm not sure I want you to see my scores. I think, <laughs> so, Mark, Mike, maybe you can clarify. But I'm looking at my scores. I yeah. may have the highest possible scores of any human in history. Just looking at this, but maybe you can clarify that for me. Yes. But, <laughs> but back to page two, though. So I see. Self-perception, self-expression, mm-hmm. interpersonal, decision-making, and stress management. And if I'm looking at this correctly, I answered some questions. And what that's done is it scored me in these five categories, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. These are uh, 
the composites. So you're scored um, in those. And let since we've had that word score coming up, let's touch on that briefly, if you don't mind. So before we look at scores or discuss scores, let's think about that from the perspective of looking at these as ranges. And what it's simply doing is I used this word before I, I learned this in the the certification courses, it suggests. Um, so it's not like a report card. Okay. Well, thank goodness for that. Cause I always <laughs> did terrible in school. So maybe I can at least get on the emotional intelligence honor roll for this one, huh? <laughs> well, we'll see as we go. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, but before we get to my scores, I was wondering if you could help us define what each of these five things are. So Let's start at the top of this, which is okay. self-perception. What does that, suge- I'm going to use your word, suggest? Suggest. So when we look at self-perception, you can see uh, within that composite that we're looking at self-regard, self-actualization, and emotional self-awareness. So self-regard is, when we think about that, that's the ability to like yourself, uh, uh, to feel confident, uh, to extract, to accept what you have as your strengths and what might be some challenges for you and, and feel self-confident in that. When we look at self-actualization, self-actualization is the ability to set goals and strive toward reaching your potential. When we look at um, emotional self-awareness, That's uh, the ability to know what you're feeling and what's behind what you're feeling. And then that leads us to emotional self-awareness. Oh, I'm sorry. We just did that. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So you had a question. Yeah. All right. So there's three subtopics of self-perception, right? So in terms of, well, we'll talk about how we put numbers on these in a minute. I want to talk about the other ones. All right. So self-perception The next one is self-expression. Yes. And you're hearing that word uh, when you say it's self. So these are self-focused elements. So when we look at um, self-expression, the first one is uh, emotional expression. So having the ability to communicate what you're feeling uh, and to communicate that to other people and having that expression. So when you have your awareness of, you know, some emotions that you're feeling, then we need to be able to name those and now be able to express them to other people. Uh, the next one th- uh, is assertiveness. And assertiveness is the ability to be able to speak your mind, to share your opinions with other people or your feelings and thoughts. And then um, independence is the ability to be self-directed and I have some autonomy. Okay. So the first two are all about me, it sounds like. Yes. Okay. So then where is the next place to go? So this flows. Should we just go around? Is interpersonal next on the list? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And when we're looking at interpersonal at that composite, we're looking at other focused elements. Okay. And And then those would be um, our interpersonal relationships. So um, to be able to develop and maintain uh, relationships with other people and having those to be 
mutually satisfying. Uh, The next one is empathy, and that is having the ability to recognize and appreciate what someone else um, is feeling. Um, And then we look at social responsibility, and that's our ability to um, contribute back to society and uh, and have that tendency to want to contribute to the greater good of our society. Okay. So then we'll go around the wheel now. And the next one is decision-making. Yes. In decision-making, we have problem-solving. And problem-solving is the ability to, um, with the help of your emotions, um, to be able to um, uh, understand um, your emotions and how they are impacting um, your decision-making. Uh, We have reality testing, and uh, so that's having the, um, for reality testing, the ability to objectively um, uh, ground your communications and your reactions and your decisions to things uh, objectively. And then impulse control is the ability to um, resist or at least uh, delay some type of um, impulse. uh, so that you're not making like a rash decision. Okay. And then the last one is stress management. Yes. <clears throat> and so within that uh, composite, the first one is flexibility. So that's having the ability to take in new information and be able to change your mind or adjust your emotions to that information. And I think this flexibility um, is an important element uh, for people, I, at least the ones I'm coaching right now with all of the changing information, which in the beginning of COVID-19 was uh, maybe weekly, but now it's like every hour. And so having the flexibility right now to to be able to adjust your your decisions because you it's changing constantly. So if you're if you don't have the flexibility, you have less engagement in that, you're going to be challenged, uh, especially right now. Mm-hmm. The next one is stress tolerance. So that's the ability to um, stay functional and be effective, even when you're facing stress. Another one that's probably uh, coming up a lot in my conversations with people right now. And then optimism. So um, the ability to be able to look at the future and see it as hopeful and positive, even um Again, I'll speak to right now, even though we might be facing stress and disappointment and uh, uh, right now it's being able to tap into our resilience. Okay. So Margie, when we do some workshops together, we have our little model and it's got the four blades of the fan and in the middle, it's got the little heart, Uh huh. which if you've had workshops with us, you've seen that. Now that is four pieces of what we, we call that, you know, kind of leading to empathy, but mm-hmm. this one has five. So what's the difference between what we've been using and now this one? Well, the difference, uh, one, is they're based on different models uh, from different people and their perspective on emotional intelligence. And the other is even in the four blades of the fan that we use within those blades, uh, and this is something you and I are trying to decipher and figure out right now, is these, not all of these, but some of these 
actually plug into those four blades because they are behaviors that in order to have uh, self-management, some of these elements here are important for that. Okay. So this seems like it goes a whole lot deeper because what we just talk about is very surface level. And then the rest of our program kind of builds into that. This looks like a very deep dive here. Yes. Yes. And, okay. and, and perhaps some of that comes in from the development of this particular assessment. Because uh, I, I learned in my certification that it's developed under uh, some of the guidelines of the American Psychological Association. So it's, it, it is taking a deeper dive. Okay. All right. Well, that's good because I think, I guess, as I look at this now, these marks on my bar chart on page three don't make a whole lot of sense to me. Hmm. And you have my score in front of you, right? Yes, I do. Okay. Okay. So what I'd like to do is maybe um, I want to talk about the things that I scored the lowest in Mm -hmm. and the things that I scored the highest in, because I don't want our listeners to fall asleep at the wheel and crash into something as they're listening to this, because there are far more interesting things to talk about than my emotional intelligence. But, mm-hmm. um, but I'm kind of curious how this all plays out. And so as I look at this, um, at the very top, it says total EI. Uh-huh. And it's a little bar chart with a purple mark in it. And mine goes to 90. So mm-hmm. tell me what the what this goes. Is it a, is it a 1 to 100 score? Or what do the numbers go to? Well, when you're... I think for this, it's it's important to let our listeners know that these the bars that you're talking about, they're actual ranges. And you'll see you see numbers there. And when we look, if we could, if we look at that 90 to 110, that is the mid range and and that's a place to start and and explaining this because it what and and these are measured as similar to the general population okay. so when you fall in this mid range um it suggests that you have because what we're looking at here at is engagement and what engagement ring means not like the ring on your finger, but for this assessment is it, these reflect um, how often that you might use the things that I just described to you mm-hmm. and how comfortable you are at using them. Okay. So it's, it's a measure of engagement. And that's why I say it's not really necessarily a score, like a score on a scorecard or a, um, a report card, it it's it's different, and so it's not telling you whether you have the skill or not. It's just telling you, uh, as I said, how often you you use it and how comfortable you are when you use it. So would that factor in, like the skill of me knowing how to use it, and then my willingness of wanting to use it? Does that factor into it too? I would say willingness has something to do with it because. When you're looking at this and you say to me, I want to focus on where I'm low, well, I want to say where you're less engaged. And what that might mean is you just don't use it often. And that could be because it's uncomfortable for you to use. Um, it also could be that um, you 
you have situational use of it. So you decide when you use it with certain people or in certain situations. All right. Well, I'm looking at my total EI thing and it is 90. Uh huh. So according to this, I am in the lower usage category. Now, is that an overall reading of my five pieces of emotional intelligence, the five kind of mm-hmm. like boxes? It's, it's a, an average of each of those composites. So it gives you the overall. I see. Okay. So just at first glance, if I was one of your clients and you saw me walk in, besides saying, Mac, you are the smartest man I know, um, what would you say seeing me with an overall score of 90? Like we're going to need to set up multiple appointments or what would your first reaction be? Mac, I think that (laughs) this goes to my favorite, well, one of my favorite words, and that is I would sit in curiosity. Uh, One thing I would not do is make any assumptions or decisions. Uh, What I would ask you is if you came in and laid this in front of me, the first question I would ask you, um, this came to mind when you started focusing in on scores is, I would ask you as you completed this, what did you notice? Uh, Or I might ask you what was going on when you took this assessment or I would use those curious open questions and they would be based on what you said to me. So I can't use the same question every time, or I might say, you know, what's surprising you here. So I would get you uh, to tell me, um, or what's standing out to you right now as you look at it, because it has nothing to do with what I think about anything that you have here. It's more about you. And, and as I said earlier, it's more about you and what, what you have gained here and what you want to do about it. Okay. So, and the train's going by, so a little noise in the background. That's okay. I heard okay. it. Yeah, I figured you did. As this <laughs> As CSX, they know exactly when I'm podcasting and they like to run the train right by my window here. Yeah. Well, I sent them an email earlier. Thank you. Well, (laughs) and that was probably the most important thing you were saying and nobody could hear with the train blowing. (laughs) All right. But I want to look at this. So I have composite scores. um, Uh So self-perception composite score is 108. Uh Self-expression is 85. Uh-huh. Interpersonal composite is 96, decision making is 78, and stress management is 85. So if it's okay, Margie, I'd like to address, I'd like to talk about the highest scores and then the lowest. It's just kind of an example of like the wide range. And then, you know, maybe just get your kind of initial recommendation for strategies if we were actually, if you were coaching me on this, because I'm kind of curious what I, you know, what I would probably see as my first steps. Mm -hmm. So let's go with the, we'll start with the high mark first, which is 108 in self-perception. So when you look at this, Margie, what are some questions that come to mind or thoughts? Because it looks like for this, I am in the middle range of engagement here. My degree of engagement is in that Mm -hmm. middle range. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't, what I would ask you is, Mac, you're looking at self-regard, self-actualization, and emotional self-awareness. So again, I would be curious and say, which one of these would you like to start with? Well, let's start with the lowest one I have, which is uh, self-regard, and that's in 104. 
Well, okay. well let's go. Let's do the highest one. All right. Let's do so, emotional self-awareness. Okay. So let's first, um, when you're, cause you're using the word low and high. So mm-hmm. let's first look at this from the perspective that the mid range is 90 to 110. So okay. for each of these elements within this composite, you are actually just over, which means that you're more in the higher uh, range. So what first that tells me yet again, remember what, what is not important here is me. It's more you, but what I know when I look at it and I would, would really tell you what low and higher range means is I can see that you're more comfortable here and that you have more engagement with each one of these. So you said you wanted to start with emotional self-awareness because that's okay. And these really have a slight, um, slight difference. So if we started with emotional self-awareness, that's when, um, again, uh, if I were coaching you, we would go over what that means, what that looks like. And what I might tell you um, and share with you is someone that is in the higher range could be uh, someone that is seen as because these is because this is a behavioral picture. This is, you know, how you're presenting yourself to other people uh, and to the world. And so this is what people are seeing. They might see you as goal driven. Um, they might see you as um, driven toward um, uh, self-improvement. So I would, again, be curious and I would ask you, um, oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry, Mac, we're on emotional self-awareness. That's so I um, got ahead of myself um, because that's a thing I wrote notes here <laughs> <laughs> when I first lo- looked over your assessment and uh thoughts I was having, yet I, I got out of my curiosity for a second. Okay, so, um, and I'm, I'm being very vulnerable when I say that. So emotional self-awareness, because you're in the higher range, it could be that people see you with that as someone who who is able to uh, differentiate um, one feeling from another. You have a good understanding of your emotions. I don't want to make those assumptions. So that's the reason I want to be curious. And I might ask you a question. Um, Okay, here's one. What emotions are you more comfortable sharing with others? And I would want you to tell me, because what I'm trying to figure out is what does this mean to you that you're in the higher range? And how is that showing up for you? And what are you showing to other people? I have to be honest, typically people do want to understand what in general people might show up looking like. Uh, So I I have to use some situational use there, but I really like to stay with the open questions. Yes. Uh, This is not an actual coaching debrief. So, um, and so if you are comfortable, you might tell me uh, what emotions you're most comfortable with. Well, like, is there a pick list of emotions? Because I mean, when I think of emotions, there's the one where I feel sad if I see something sad or I get angry when someone walks the wrong way at Kroger in the grocery store, you know? Yes. And so, uh, yeah, and this is uh, things that we talked about in our um, certification course. And this question actually came up yesterday in my coaching session with um, someone. And 
sometimes people do have trouble naming the emotion. So since you asked the question, there are um, emotional wheels out there that people have developed. I I have one in particular, um, but what I'm going to say is, what did you just, what emotion did you just suggest? Sad? Yeah. uh, Yeah. The second one, well, the one in the Kroger was frustration, maybe. Frustration. Yeah. Okay. So frustration for me is, is a secondary emotion. So that probably comes from a primary emotion. Um, So we might need to explore that. So I might ask you if you, I think the important thing here is for me not to assume, but when you say frustration, I would say, I would ask you, Mac, help me or no, tell me about, um, or say more about frustration. Okay. Because if I want to rely on a wheel that someone's developed and you, and think, I know what frustration means for you. I'm going to get it all wrong and coach you wrong. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause you wouldn't even be working with the right diagnosis then. Right. So if someone's having trouble with emotions, I might suggest that, um, they do some research on emotions, or I might just ask them if they'll try to name the emotion that they felt. And then that helps me determine, is this a primary thing or is it secondary in my head? But what I really want to know is what does that look like and feel like for you? So I can understand. Okay. All right. Well, that, that makes sense then. And so I'm working of all of my five groupings here. This is the one that I am most engaged with. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So what would it be then if my score was, let's say, um, in self-perception, maybe 129, because the top end of the scale is 130. I'm sorry. Ask, ask me that again. Okay. So I'm looking at the, the self-perception composite, right? Mm-hmm. And it goes from 90, but then the top of the range is, um, I guess it would be like 130 or higher, right? If yeah. I'm looking at mm-hmm. the total EI. Mm-hmm. So let's just say, for example, I was 129. That mm-hmm. would say that I am like higher usage of something. Is that a positive thing or a negative thing? If you're for getting me be, to, for to, me to do a higher usage of it, that would be probably you would be into it overusing it. It would it would be an overuse of it. So in this particular one, you could seem. Um, uh, to other people, they might see you as someone who is is self indulgent. Um, uh, okay. uh, yeah, you're you're moving more into not having the actual ability to understand, but being hypersensitive to that emotion. Okay, wow. So I'm just curious. I mean, do you have clients that like spike on? I mean, maybe it's confidential to know, but do, do people actually spike on the far end of these things? And then do you have to sort of settle them down or something? <laughs> I don't settle them down. I still, as I said, I stay in that place of curiosity and I continue to ask questions of them. Uh, you know, I might ask them uh, to describe a time and if, if they're over in that area um, of, of um, overuse of it, um, I might ask questions um, about how are their emotions impacting other people. Uh, those, those open questions are going to give me a wealth of information. 
yet again, it's not about me. What I'm wanting to get is to create insights into them, to get them to say, ah, I get it now. And, oh, I, I understand what happened yesterday. So once they have that, that time to reflect from my question and get their insight, then asking a few more questions might move them to a place of action where they can, you know, figure out a way. Um, because it, with what you're not, if we actually looked at this page on your report, so we're looking at uh, emotional um, self-awareness here. So if we actually looked at that page for you, uh, and that's on page six of your report. Okay. Page six. Let me mm-hmm. turn over there. Okay. So when I keep steering you away from uh, the number perspective, what, and asking you different questions, what I'm trying to get you to a place of seeing that there's a way to understand that there's another, um, another place on here that there's some comparison. So if you look at the very bottom of your page where it says balancing your emotional intelligence, yes, uh, it will tell you here that uh, emotional self-awareness um, compares with reality testing, emotional expression, and st- tr- uh, stress tolerance. So this is, uh, report and the way I structure my questions too, based on what you're telling me is to help you get the insight that if you're in an overuse place, there could be a place that compares with this that might help you balance that out. And if you look, what it does is it takes the biggest gap between those three things and it gives you um, some ideas here of how you might balance it. And what we're seeing here is emotional expression. And so um, there's an explanation here. And if you want to read and share what it says, you could do that. Yeah. So it says here, your emotional self-awareness is higher than your emotional expression. You may expect others to be aware of how you're feeling. So make sure you are clearly communicating your feelings to them. Remember, expression is the way you showcase your emotional knowledge and it will have a greater impact if it works in parallel with your awareness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if you think about the questions that I ask you, I hadn't even looked at this page yet. (laughs) So, Mm. you know, and not today I had earlier yet. I ask the questions, not even because you've mentioned how many pages are here. There's not, it's not possible for me to even remember what every page said as far for you or any client. But I ask you those questions, how your emotions affect other people. uh, What are you most comfortable with? And then when you read that to me, you know, those questions may have created that insight for you. Yeah. So you, I mean, it looks like if you had this, you could almost do some self-correction or, you know, I guess get some strategies to move forward. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, just in looking at this, I would need someone to explain this to me and to help me think through it. So, well, thank goodness I know you, otherwise I I wouldn't know where to begin with this. So I think that's a, that's a recommendation right there. If you're going to use this, you might want to have um, somebody who knows what they're talking about do this because yeah that that was very clarifying to me but I don't think I could have grabbed that on my own 
Right. Because what you said first, uh, right at the beginning, you said, you know, I have a number of pages. And when you look at the each individual page, there's a wealth of information. And what just like I was getting a sense that uh, you were doing is you were focusing in on I'm low and I'm high. And what a coach can do is keep you uh, in a place of um, what's positive and, and get you to get an insight and move you forward instead of letting you focus on it from a score perspective of seeing it as being weak or strong. Okay. Well, I think that's important to note because it just first glance, looking at something like this, you might say, man, I got, I'm really messed up. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to go hide in the corner and not want to go talk to somebody about it. So and that's not what we want you to do. And no. you know, yeah, it's not, but you know, the, this whole balancing thing helps you understand that there's an interplay, but it actually helps you uh, look at them. Those each of those subscales in those composites, it helps you uh, and it explains this to you here. Yet I don't know that someone's going to read every word of this and and know and understand what's behind everything. But it actually helps you because you really have focused on your total overall score. Yet if you want to make a change in the total overall, I'm not sure they have significantly impact. But if you want to, if that's what you want to do is move that that dial a little bit, then mm-hmm. it's understanding it's not just focusing on the one subscale. It's actually, okay, what can help me here? So there, cause there's an interplay in all of these. So they, they help each other if you can. And that's where a coach, I guess, uh, helps you as well as to understand that. Well, that's good. So let me bring my, um, I guess my non-understanding brain back into the talk here <laughs> because I just cannot look at this thing on page three without noticing in impulse control as the lowest of all my scores. That is 67. Okay. Impulse control. And I guess I, I just am curious what that suggests then. All right. So first of all, what that suggests is that you uh, aren't as comfortable using that behavior and that you, because of that, you don't use it as often as you do some of the others. Uh, In a coaching, I wouldn't, um, that would not be what I would say, but because we're getting the listeners to understand this assessment. So again, uh, with a coaching client, I would be in the place of curiosity and ask them, you know, some of those questions. Um, How do you typically deal with an impulse uh, to act on something? Uh, I would, you know, ask, describe a situation when you felt impatient and you acted too quickly because I, oh, well, you know, yeah. so- okay. So is that what that means? If it's, if it's a lower usage that I am more impulsive, it means that you aren't as comfortable, uh, delaying or, um, resisting some impulse to act. Okay. 
uncomfortable, you're less engaged with using it. Not that you're the the language might say um, for someone on the lower end that they're impulsive. Um, I wouldn't necessarily uh, suggest that. I want to be curious because I want to understand what's happening to you when you're not comfortable using it. Well, I mean, when there's some, so, you know, certain things really will frustrate me. Uh Like, um, so here's an example I've been to, uh, when I go to national rental car, or I don't rent from them anymore because of this particular incident that happened probably seven years ago, but I was waiting to get a rental car and the place is crowded and there's like 10 people behind the counter and everybody's walking around, shuffling papers. Meanwhile, there's this line of people waiting to get their car and everybody's just standing there looking at these workers back there that are walking around in circles, shuffling papers, oblivious to these people standing out here waiting to get their cars. And so I stood up and I says, you know, what are you doing back there that is so important that all of us are standing here watching you? And of course, then they got like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. But I guess I would normally not say something like that, but I just got frustrated. Like, what are you people doing back there? Are you trying to look busy so you don't have to take care of us? And I think maybe with me, that's that's one of my trigger points is like, let's just get something going. Why are we standing around? You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, so COVID makes it possible. We all work from home. If we didn't have COVID, we'd be sitting in meetings. Well, we should... Uh, discuss the uh, ramifications and the parameters of the work at home concept. Uh, perhaps we should circle back next month. <laughs> and that's what I hated about the Navy. God, every time you turn around, we got to have a meeting about something and no one makes any decisions. So maybe that's it. When I see something that's frustrating that nobody's doing anything, that makes me want to step in. Is that, I mean, that sounds like impulsive, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, you tell me. Uh, no, I think that sounds like a wonderful behavior to have. (laughs) You know, I, I guess if you had said something, we would just explore what happened in that situation. This is, this is a time because you asked earlier about Myers-Briggs complimenting it. So, um, and this isn't a secret to your listeners, unless we have a new listener, that with your perceiving, mm-hmm. you know, we have to think about your perceiving um, and what perceiving looks like and and for you. And so I do know that um, you have that spontaneity. Um, so by having that spontaneity, um, uh, it could contribute to the ability to have quick action. Ah, uh, okay. So, you know, having those, those complimentary things, what we, you know, could discuss through some questions, um, you know, is this tells you, uh, cause you're telling me I, I have a lower engagement here and maybe we've gone through some questions and this is a time when you would say to me, I think this is one I'd, I'd like to be more engaged. I want to feel more comfortable. And so my questions could could be from the place of helping you um, through questions get an insight that your perceiving could actually 
have a positive effect on this because you have the ability to, to go with the flow. And so in that situation, because, you know, that spontaneity can mean two different things. So um, getting you to st- still, I always want to keep you in a positive place. And when you start going down those rabbit holes of, or you start rambling, I want to get you back to a place of insights. So I want to get you to think about my questions so you get an insight and we can get you to some action. Otherwise, I'm going to listen to you tell me about the you know car rental place and I'm not going to, in my coaching session, be effective with you because you just vented to me about that. But I couldn't get you to a place of positive thinking, mm-hmm. uh, like a positive mindset. So, okay, what's the insight I can get here just by describing that situation? What questions might you have about that? Well, at the que- you know, I guess I don't really have any questions about it, except I guess I'm thinking about if you were going to coach, well, let's just pretend you're going to coach me. I mean, mm-hmm. it looks like, so we've really drilled down on just two pieces of this. Yeah, you know, there's all sorts of things on this page. Mm-hmm. I mean, would we do, would we do multiple sessions and just like one session would be self-perception, the next one would be interpersonal, or would it be where we would create some goals and then you would kind of hold me accountable? What would that coaching intervention look like with this? All right. Okay. One, it's always going to be about what you want to work on. And so if if we're on impulse control and that's what you want to work on, and and I ask you to describe a situation and you've described it and We've talked about how, you know, you felt in the situation. Maybe we've talked about the, the um, impact that it had when you uh, demonstrated less engagement here. So some moving you to some action is sometimes I brainstorm with clients. But what I want you to do is what could you come up with? And so sometimes with this one, what someone has come up with is keeping a journal. Okay, so when are there times when I'm less engaged? And so keeping track of that for a while and then bringing that to a coaching session. So, uh, again, this is always going to be what you work on or what you want to work on. Me helping with questions, getting you to find that insight uh, from thinking and reflecting. And then what can you do? So there's something you could call it a goal if you want their action items so that, cause this is where the work takes place. And I think this is where um, coaching gets blurry for people who aren't trained and certified to be a coach is it's not about consulting and advising you. Uh, so it's, it's in a session, it's getting you to struggle and think, and then your real work takes place between our sessions. Uh, even though you might not feel like that right now, but because I'm asking you questions yet that's when the work's taking place. So you're, you're going to take those insights and, and do something with them and you're going to come back and tell me how it went. So that's how. Well, that makes sense because if I got this without explanation and just read what was in here, I would say, well, that's really cool. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Okay. Well let's get on to the next thing here. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like this is just taking this as just the beginning, right? This is a jumping off point. Okay. Um, yes. And so, Mike, even on that page, you know, 
again, I, I think what I tend to see is the tendency to zoom in on scores and then going to pages and zooming in on bullets, which those are great because it tells you what you have um, or it suggests what uh, you have a tendency to do. I, I think without a coach, you might tend to pick the easier thing. Mm-hmm. Or um, you might not want to read all the details because you see there's a nice section on suggestions how this might play out at work for you. Mm-hmm. And then it gives you some strategies for action. So, you know, I'm a big one on on breathing. So one is take five deep breaths. And uh, so there's some strategies here. Those are just suggestions. Uh, and. But what would happen is someone might say, these two strategies here, these don't work for me. I think breathing's stupid. And so where a coach is helpful is getting to that brainstorm. And as a coach, you're taught the proper way to brainstorm with people. Uh, so, and there's a, there's a process to do that. So there might be a strategy that would work better for you. So a coach could ask you the right questions. Uh, based on your reaction to your pages to help you find a strategy that's best for you. Again, this whole thing is for even for your listener to remember is these are only suggestions. It's Mm -hmm. not a, um, you know, and I've used the word tell a couple times that that is the wrong term. It is a suggestion. Okay. Well, from everything I've seen with this report, and not just looking at my own scores, but just seeing the way it's laid out, it looks like a really valuable tool. Mm-hmm. So for listeners who are tuned in today, what would be some of your suggestions on how to use this in your organization? Okay, so I use this two ways. Um, sometimes I'm called by an organization, um, uh, they've identified uh people they want to invest uh, time and money in, in development. And so I work individually one-on-one. Um, and uh, in that work, we use um, Myers-Briggs or I use Myers-Briggs and this assessment and not at the same time, of course, uh, one and then the other. And um, I also um, I not only one-on-one coaching, but I uh, with teams So um, we can come together. Uh, First, everyone would take the assessment. I would debrief everyone because one, there's not time to do that. And two, it's it's confidential. And uh, so their results are confidential to them. And when I they have a, a sense and a good understanding of what they're bringing to the team, then we would bring the team together. And I have some activities that we could do based on the needs of the team and what they might, what, what they might need. Um, you know, one that I think is really um, uh, a, a good one is uh, we already sort of do this in a different way is getting them to think about um, uh, the worst boss they've ever had and, um, and the best boss. And when we start to look at what usually comes up on our charts and before I had the certification and training, I didn't quite make that identification. But a lot of those are these same emotional intelligence elements. Wow. And you've seen these, um, some of these, uh, the ability to um, 
have interpersonal relationships, to demonstrate empathy, to be able to express emotions. And um, so a lot of these come out. So it's very helpful for a team uh, to see and understand that. Yet I take it to another level and the activities uh, are a little different than what you and I do. Um, we're, we're scratching the surface and creating a different uh, type of insight for them because we're mm-hmm. developing those individual managers when we do our, our, our work together, where now I'm trying to develop a team. So there's a different, uh, a different debrief and an approach to those types of activities. So what if I had an employee that was just being a pain in the ass and we're sick of this person and we're, we, we need to get rid of this person, but before we do, Let's just have them take the EQI and sit down with Margie. How well will that work? That's not going to work. Yeah, but I mean, doesn't it? I mean, isn't this going to show them what's wrong with them and then they could just get better? And does it work that way? What do you think? Well, I mean, I don't think it does, but I thought I would defer to the expert. All right. No. So, and, and that's, a, a, that's a great question and a great awareness for your listeners to have is one, coaching is not a punitive approach. Coaching is not a last effort approach. And contacting a coach to do and have conversations you don't want to have is not a good idea. So it does not work well. So, uh, and this is, I do very careful screening. Um, I've had a couple times uh, where I had to, I terminate my relationship with a couple clients uh, because um, you might call it firing the client, but it. I found out uh, later that it was coming from a punitive approach, and I'm not part of that. If you've got a problem employee, then have the conversation with them. So um, coaching is is for development for someone, and I said that earlier. I get contacted. Most of the time, hey, I've got somebody, uh, there's there's potential in this person, and I want to grow and develop and support them in their development, and that's the work I do. Okay, so that would be the ideal client then, someone who's shown you some positive things that you have high aspirations for, and this is just a tool to help them get even better, Right. Yes. Yes. So they, there's the will and this is work you do uh, is you, you, you know, it's, you have to have the will to want to grow and develop yourself. And, and if you don't have the will, you're not going to do the hard work. Cause as I was explaining earlier, the hard work that's all done between sessions. So, you know, if I'm not seeing forward movement, um, you know, we've got to get a little time. So we've got a session or two, yet I should start to see some forward movement. And if I'm not, we have to go back and reevaluate because that's not uh, what I want to be paid to do. (laughs) Uh, I could sit and take money if I wanted to. I don't, that's not coaching and that's not, that's against my code of ethics that, um, I follow. Well, and that's why, you know, so full disclosure here, Margie is our, our strategic coaching partner at Boss Builders. And the reason we use her is because of that reason. She's not going to waste time with one of your projects that is your responsibility. 
Mm-hmm. She's going to take care of people who have demonstrated the willingness to get better. And that's, again, I don't know if you're going to find that with every coach, because it seems like underneath every rock anymore, you're finding coaches like little cockroaches coming out saying, I'm a coach, I'm a coach, I'm a coach. <laughs> and uh, yeah, buyer beware. I mean, you could really mess with somebody's head. Mm-hmm. By, I mean, what man, if I coach somebody on this thing, I would create a whole department of weird people because I have no idea how to do that. But the clarity that you can give, Margie, I think is the gift. And so I guess let's let's wrap this up. We know who the ideal user for this would be. It would be an organization that is trying to grow a team or there is somebody that is demonstrating some high potentialness that we want to help get even better. Mm-hmm. And so if you are listening to this today and you say, man, I know just the person that needs to take this, this assessment and work with Margie, Margie, where would that person go to find you? So you can uh, reach me at Margie, M-A-R-G-I, at wisdomtreecoaching.com. I have a website, www.wisdomtreecoaching. Uh, you can find me there. I'm on LinkedIn as Margie Bush, um, or you can call me. It's uh, My number is 304 304- Five four nine four six three zero, and you are located in Charleston, West Virginia, but you work virtually, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I most of my coaching, I, I coach people um, all over the United States, um, and some of those are people that you've brought me. So uh, that's done over the telephone, obviously, uh, for cost control of travel. Uh, yet. Uh, even the face-to-face training now, uh, of course, everybody knows this. Uh, and you and I have done some training that used to be face-to-face. We've been doing it virtually. So, yes, a lot of this has moved to virtual. And before I let you go, Margie, I wonder if you might share the newest specialty that you are now coaching people in. Oh, my goodness. You caught me off guard. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> so, I, I funny, I didn't, uh, not funny, but interesting. I didn't know anything about COVID-19 and how all of this was going to happen when I, um, I did this EQ certification. I'd been wanting to do it and finally got registered. And, and, uh, so it's been very useful with COVID-19, but the other thing that you're asking me about is, um, I am trained through Duke, um, and, uh, uh, in um, health and wellness coaching. Uh, I'm now doing their certification course. Um, so the newest thing I'm doing is health and wellness uh, coaching. Uh, it's based on a model that they have uh, that I can work with physicians um, I, when they're doing uh, the diagnosis part of things. I can be that person that takes their patients and uh, works with them as a coach uh, around um, some things that they need to work on to improve their health. Um, and or I have taken clients um, individually that have come to me that want to work on things. So I do not sell diet products. I, I, that's not health coaching. Uh, that's selling a product. I, as I said, I work within um, the elements of 
uh, things such as improving your nutrition, uh, your movement, uh, getting better sleep, uh, improving relationships, uh, your spirituality. So it's a, a taking a whole person approach. Um, so uh, <laughs> hoping to get uh, some of that into organizations too. And right now I'm actually, uh, as a gift, um, offering, uh, I've got a set of clients that I've already established and we're going with, and I'm giving some pro bono to some leaders I know that have really struggled. Um, I have continued to work through this COVID-19 uh, and inspiring other people, but really need to work on themselves with rest and nutrition and stress. Yeah, that's that might've been a long answer to your No, question. no, no. I wanted to, I'm I really think passionate I, and excited I, about I, it. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's a great idea and I thought maybe what we could do is do an episode about that maybe in the coming weeks. Oh gosh, I would love I, that. Yeah. I think that would be good. Margie, basically if someone has their head up their ass, they need to come see you. So <laughs> Because I mean, everything is about self-awareness and getting yes. better. And I am yes. um, just so grateful that number one, you agreed to be on the program, but number two, that um, you be willing to work with us because uh, you definitely are the piece of boss builders that we definitely don't have and uh, we certainly need. So thank you for all that you do and for taking good care of clients and for being on our show. And uh, we look forward to hearing you again on the show. And I personally look forward to working with you some more, maybe one day when we can all travel and, you know, see our clients in person again. Yeah. Thank you. You're, you're too kind, but thank you so much. I love being part of Boss Builders. I love the clients I get and, and all the, the training I've been able to do and the travel, what used to come with that. Uh, so thank you, Mac. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well. <laughs>